Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. On today's show, Lee Ellis from the Starters joins us with his national takes on the Charlotte Hornets and a win is a win is a win is a win. Our recap of last night's game against the Dallas Mavericks. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You're locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, ending your week on this Friday with some Hornets talk for the hardcore fan, and we've got a fun one in store for you. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful Uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend, one David Walker. Douglas, it's Friday. It's Friday. I'm celebrating. I'm ready for this week. I'm this has been a too. long week. It's been a long it's week as a Hornets oof. fan. It's been a long week as just a human being. The weekend's here. We've got a Saturday game at home against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So that should be a fun time. And we've got a big show because, David, you talked to a very special guest. We talked to a good friend of ours, Lee Ellis, from NBA TV's The Starters, Doug. Always fun to catch up with Lee. Am I right? It it was. It was a very informative conversation. We've got part of it for you here in a few minutes. And then the other part will air on Locked on Hornets Live coming up uh, on next Tuesday. YouTube.com forward slash Locked on Hornets. We are part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team Every day, go to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. It's it's our podcast network. It's your podcast network. It's your team every day. Okay, let's start in Spectrum Center. Pretty sparse crowd, David, Thursday night. Uh, kind of a weird uh. night for Hornets basketball, and this was... A weird and ugly game. Neither team could get into much of a rhythm offensively. The Mavericks were able to hang around thanks to some volume shooting from University of North Carolina Chapel Hill alum Harrison Barnes. He finished with 17 points, 9 rebounds. But it wouldn't be a Hornets fourth quarter without some heroics from Kemba Walker. Tough shooting night overall, but he does hit three key baskets down the stretch to help the Hornets pull away. The Hornets get the win 97 to 87. They move to 11 and 8 overall, tied for third in the Eastern Conference with the Chicago Bulls and a full game up on the Atlanta Hawks for first place in the Southeast Division. More importantly, David, the fans get pizza 97 points for the weekend, which was in serious question all game because of how tough the Mavericks played defense. Here's coach after the game on that. They, uh, you know, played differently it wasn't a conventional tempo for an NBA game it was much slower they really execute and then they changed their defenses you know they switched a lot at times other times they didn't then obviously they played the zone the tempo usually in an NBA game you get into a rhythm you know and there was no way they were going to let us get into a rhythm and I thought our guys fought hard and you know the bottom line is that's the kind of game that good teams win 
the kind of game that good teams win. David, what's your big takeaway from this game? That's it, Doug. That's it. It's a win. I mean, as a win is a win is a win is a win. Yeah, as ugly as this game was, they did eke it out and they were able to hold off Dallas. I don't know if they would have been able to hold off many other teams on this night, but that doesn't really matter. They needed to get a win. Uh, you know, in talking with Lee and when we wrapped up the Pistons game, you know, that is the kind of game they also needed to win and weren't able to do so in that one. So it was good to see them bounce back. But, you know, a season low for three-pointers hitting only five. Kemba not only struggled with shooting, I just thought he looked off, like, across the board. I don't know what you saw from the stands, but, you know, just not a, not exactly a step slow. It just it was everything wasn't as, as uh, smooth as it has been, which, you know, I was thinking we might be seeing more of because, I mean, they are doubling him. They are trying to, to bump him a little. They're trying to make things a lot more difficult for him because of that hot start. So, you know... <laughs> All that being said, they got the win, and you could tell Coach was happy in the postgame because he's, he's cracking jokes. Yeah, no, I mean, well, I think he's just happy to get a victory, happy to have a couple of days off, or well, one day off yesterday, or one day off the day before yesterday, and then they get the day off today. So getting a little bit of rest, sort of getting – uh, trying to trying to get back into some kind of groove, but yeah, I mean he's right. The defense took this team out of rhythm. They were blitzing uh, Kemba Walker. They were playing uh, Nick Batum pretty close as well. And so you know, trying to take away that guard play and the Hornets. You know, then they had to go to post up offense with Spencer Hawes and Roy Hibbert, something we really haven't seen all season. And you know, when a team does something that they haven't done all season, it tends to take them out of rhythm a little bit. I want to shout out bench play in this one real quick. At least on the offensive end, 46 of the 97 points scored by the bench, despite only hitting one three. And that was, uh, it was a pretty one, though. That was Jeremy Lamb's fake pass. And then he, he pulled yeah. up and knocked it down. That was, a, that was a nice shot there by Jeremy Lamb. But nice play from the bench overall. Needed all, all the players for this one. I mean, it just, just wasn't a game <laughs> where one, one player was going to come out and, and really set the tone or, or, or help this team get back into rhythm. It was just herky-jerky all night until the fourth quarter when they were finally able to pull away. My big takeaway yeah, – yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to ask. Do you think there was some 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 notion of like they were waiting for Kemba to bust out? Or I mean, I didn't get that sense. I kept waiting for someone, anyone to kind of get hot. Marco had a little streak going there. And Hibbert, you know, played well. I don't want to steal any of your thunder. I don't know what you were going to say. But I was just curious. Do you think they were just saying, all right, now's the time for Kemba? And he did – at the end, hit a big three. He just couldn't get it going all night. Yeah, I mean, look, I just think this was a case of the, first of all, the Mavericks defense forced them to take a lot of mid-range jump shots, and they forced them out of the middle of the floor. I mean, they they the only way the, the Hornets were really getting into the middle uh, or into the restricted area was through post-ups or offensive rebounds, putbacks, that kind of thing. You know, the Hornets were were trying to, you know, drive and get to the rim, but there weren't there weren't those off-ball cuts that we've seen so many times. Yeah. And and a lot of that I th- I think has to do with a little bit of fatigue over the long term, but then also yeah. the Mavericks were very attentive on D. So, you know, I, I think you know, I think what the Mavericks came in their game plan it worked, but the Hornets were able to, to come up big in the fourth quarter, and we we've seen late game execution be an issue for this Hornets team, and luckily it was not, uh, or a testament to to the Hornets, it was not last night. My big takeaway is number one, and this could have something to do with this as well. I think the Hornets are really starting to miss Marvin Williams. He wasn't shooting the ball well when he was healthy, but he helps the ball move. 
and especially late in the game, I think he really helps the ball move. He can hit that pick and pop a little quicker and a little more often than Frank Kaminsky can. And Frank Kaminsky, he's in slump oh. right now. I mean, he 0 for oh. 4 from the field, only uh, 22, 23 minutes in this one. So tough night for Frank Kaminsky. It's his third, really third straight tough night from the yeah. field. You can tell uh, it's starting to wear on him. But most importantly, back to Marvin Williams, he helps to anchor the defense late. Coach Clifford was extremely frustrated with the team late in this one, David, for errors on the defensive end. Um, I, thought, I thought he was going to, I don't know if this came up on TV, but I thought he was going to pull a muscle. He like punched, sort of punched the air. It almost looked like, uh, it almost looked like it's sort of the, it looked like the scene out of breakfast club when, uh, uh, at the very end, except, except <laughs> don't not, you forget about me. Don't you forget about that pig and roll defense. Uh, no, but anyway, so he was frustrated late in this one. Uh, our own Justin Thomas was at the press conference afterward, and he asked Clifford about it. Here's what he had to say. Boston, fourth quarter. It's our defense. We scored 27. They're really good on defense. We lose, all right? Toronto, same thing. San Antonio, same thing. At New Orleans, same thing. I mean, it's the fourth quarter. Defense has been what's killed us. I don't like to show frustration because I'm not trying to show anybody up, but you can't, you know, it just we're not going to win. You know, we're not that team. We're not going to be top three, four in offense. We're not. We're just not. And Clifford is right about this one, David. Despite having a top five defense overall, the Hornets have the 25th worst defensive rating in the fourth quarter at 108 and a net rating of negative two. And it gets really, it gets even worse if you factor out a few of the top teams in the league who I speculate have bad fourth quarter defensive ratings. I'm talking about the the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Clippers uh, specifically. I suspect they have bad fourth quarter defensive ratings because they let off the gas, you know, during right. big leads. So you take yeah. those out, and really the Hornets have one of the the three worst defenses in the fourth quarter. So again. I just think that Marvin Williams does a lot to help that because we've heard about him quarterbacking the defense, but also just just his help defense, I, I think, is a big factor. He can, he can cover a lot of ground very quickly and make some plays that, frankly, Frank cannot. Uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, and that's what Clifford said when Marvin went out, right? The best defender on the team, and we talked a little bit about what he probably meant by that, but... They value him as, as, as a, as like you said, the quarterback of the defense. They play team defense, you know, so effectively. And, you know, that's got to drive Clifford crazy. I mean, great question from Justin. Um, he gets us all the good stuff from those press conferences. And you can hear Clifford just be brutally honest, of course, and saying what he thinks about that fourth quarter defense. So they got to get that shored up. I mean, you know, you're going to have nights like this where Kimba is not on. Um, hopefully he, he snaps out of that, but you got to have the fourth quarter defense. That's we talk about it all the time. Defense is what this team is built on. It is built on that, but part of the problem is so you, you're seeing Clifford being forced to play players like Frank Kaminsky and Spencer Hawes big minutes, and for all that they give you uh, in terms of versatility on the offensive end, on defense, I mean Spencer's just struggling to close out. And he gets driven by time after time. Frank Kaminsky, the same thing, tries to clo- tries to close out, yeah. and the guy gets by him. And what what that does is again, it's it's a chain reaction kind of thing. So once that once that offensive player gets by Hawes or they get by Frank Kaminsky, it sends a chain reaction. And if guys aren't ready to immediately react 
and and close and then have to you know sort of rotate and then close out on on somebody else's man then that's when the breakdowns happen and that's when you see uh clifford go go straight breakfast club on on everyone <laughs> spencer spencer was guarding uh justin anderson for an extended period that's, of time it's not night. good i mean justin anderson is quick he's small he's athletic you know, I mean, yeah. that's not a great matchup. I mean, that's that's been the trend, I think, is you've seen just since Marvin Williams has been out, there's been a chain reaction of bad matchups. Now, the Hornets had some good size matchups on the offensive end and weren't yeah. really able to take advantage of them. You know, I mean, uh, Hibbert hit a few nice shots, but I thought Frank and Hawes and Hibbert had times where they had their guy bodied up, you know, ready to make a move, and they just couldn't do it, couldn't execute. So you've got some problems there as well. Clifford, you, you mentioned he's brutally honest. He was honest during this press conference. He said, look, we're playing okay. Uh, this, yeah. th- this team is, if, if they start playing great, I'll say they're playing great, but right now they're playing fine. And they just, the Hornets will have to, they've got a stretch of games coming up, David, that they can play uh, fine and, and probably get away with most of those games. But they've got to start using those games to not just play fine. They need to start playing great so that when they do get to the part of the schedule where they actually are playing you know, top-quality Eastern Conference or Western Conference teams again, they can compete. Yeah, and that's coming. I mean, after next week, it gets serious. That That road trip is going to be brutal. If they play anywhere close to like they played – you know, these last two games, that won't be a fun trip for anyone. And and that'll be a bad way to go into the Christmas break as well. So I think Clifford sees that coming. He's one of the low-key characters uh, in the coaching circles, right? I mean, not a lot of people were watching these <laughs> Clifford press conferences. I, for one, think they should be put up on NBA TV every <laughs> night live. <laughs> well, they don't. You know, the problem is they don't have the Rick Carlisle, Greg Popovich sort of antagonism that is entertaining yeah. to watch. Clifford just schools people on basketball. And as much as we enjoy that, and as much as I know that you out there enjoy that, uh, because we're hardcore Hornets fans, we're hardcore NBA fans, and it's not, it probably just doesn't play to to the mass audiences. But that's okay. That that means we get to be Clifford hipsters. No, no, to- no that's right. I'm totally and, down but, with being a Clifford hipster. But but that's how his press conferences go. It's like, okay, stars maybe read the stat sheets, give a couple of opening thoughts. But that's what I, pe- 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 yeah. I know. They pepper him with a few questions. He opens up a little bit, and then last night he's even cracking jokes. So well, that's what I, I respect I, I about Clifford is that he can. You can ask a question, and he he will inform you without mm-hmm. treating you like a moron. You know that that's I just that's why I think the media is so on Clifford's side. Uh, more often than not, is because, you know, he works with the media. He talks to the media. He he tries to inform people about what he knows about basketball instead of just treating them like the enemy. And so, anyway. Right. Anyway, the Hornets toughed this one out, got the stops they needed and the shots when they needed to. Uh, hurry back, Marvin Williams. The Hornets' next game will once again be in Charlotte. They'll play the Minnesota Timberwolves on Saturday at 7 o'clock p.m. We'll be live-tweeting that game from at Locked on Hornets. And then they'll travel. They'll travel to Dallas on Monday for a rematch. We'll have a preview of that game on Monday morning. Okay, David, we have a very special guest today. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, spoke with Lee Ellis of NBA TV's The Starters. You can catch them every night, every weeknight before the games tip. And we talked with him about a lot of topics. But Doug, I think we hit on uh, the notion of Kimball Walker and, and what he's able to do for this team, and it was on full display last night. So it was a good time. And Kimba came up big late, and Lee gave us kind of a breakdown 
from a national perspective on the stuff that Kemba's been doing so far this season. When you've got a guy like him who who is a closer, I, I really like to say that about Kemba Walker is he's never afraid to take the big shot. You know, guys will there's online people will always sort of point out stats and say, Well, this guy, you know, he's shooting this percentage or this percentage or whatever in the last couple of minutes, but you want a guy on your team who wants the ball at the end of the game. And he's got that nice little jab step, that sort of deep step that he does where he gets his own shot off. And I think it's really effective and it's really good if you're Steve Clifford to have a guy who you know who wants to take uh, the shots and, and take over games at the end. And So that, that's really what's important. But the Hornets have just got to get back on track to where they were at the start because things have really cooled off for them and they've hit a bit of a rough patch at the moment. Um, I know that last loss to the Pistons was was a tough loss, especially because Andre Drummond got, got ejected early in that second quarter. But when, when you look at the Hornets' schedule coming into that game, their legs were probably a little bit heavy and they were probably a bit tight. It was a sort of four and five nights and it was a tough one as well for them. So uh, that, that you know, those sorts of things play into it for sure. Guys just, you know, they, they get tired, they get weary and, uh, you know, the Hornets probably look at that one as a loss. But, but when, when Drummond went out, maybe they thought it was going to be a bit easier from there and, uh, and it wasn't. But uh, you know, Kemba, he, he should be in the All-Star game. I mean, he definitely was going to the All-Star game uh, after that hot start. But as we know, the, the guard position in the Eastern Conference is very deep as well this year. So you've got a lot of competition. But if he can keep it up and keep up scoring uh, 24 a game and you know getting the assists and and playing the way that he is, he's certainly going to be hard. Going to be it's going to be hard for the voters to leave him out and for the coaches of the Eastern Conference for the entire league to to not pick him as a reserve. At worst case scenario. Yeah, and I actually thought, funnily enough, that Spurs game that was on national TV probably helped him because he, at the end of that game, even though the Hornets lost, it was probably one of the best games of the season, right? And he was huge down the stretch going uh, going, you know, in the trees and making some of those tough driving layups. So I thought that was key for him. It was good for him to have a good game, but you mentioned it. Even if the fans don't vote him in as a starter, you know, you need kind of those marquee games, right? And he's, he's had um, game-winning shots in the past, but A, the Hornets haven't been winning. And B, no, yeah. one, no one has seen them. So that probably helps too, right? Yeah, it does for sure. And, uh, you know, again, like when you look at the Eastern Conference, you know, Kyle Lowry, John Wall, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, you know, depending on what position Jimmy Butler plays, because they don't go by sort of point guard, shooting guard anymore. It's like guards and forwards. You know, th- those, those sorts of guys, you know, I wouldn't say they're locks, but they're, they're, he's who he's competing against. And he has to outplay those guys. And obviously the Wizards record isn't great right now. So he might have a, you know, a sort of a, a lead against someone like John Wall, but uh, he he needs to keep it up. And there was a back-to-back series last weekend against the Knicks. Great, too. Really, really fun games. Uh, and it was good that the, uh, the, the the Hornets at least got a split out of that. And again, Kemba just showed that he is capable of doing some really special things, but uh, the Hornets have to find some more consistency because, again, outside of Charlotte, uh, you know, the national audience really isn't going to tune in if, if the Hornets are sort of hovering around 500 or below, and uh, even if he is putting up decent numbers. So, he, he needs those wins and, and that notice from around the league to really make sure that he, uh, he he makes his way into that conversation for being an all-star. But, uh, you know, he was very close last year, and, and, and sometimes that plays into it as well. You know, um, coaches remember a guy who, who may have missed out a year before, and if he's, if he's improved his play, which Kemba clearly has, then sometimes there's a bit of a, uh, you know, a bit of a, a sympathy vote almost where, you know, you say, this guy, this guy deserves an all-star nod. Um, you know, that doesn't always work out, but... Uh, for someone like Kemba, uh, you know, I think he's he, he, he's he's right in contention there with all those other guys I mentioned earlier. 
Yeah, you mentioned the recent Hornets struggles, and we've certainly taken notice. I mean, Steve Clifford has harped on the defense, really, as the thing that left them in that four-game losing streak. It wasn't where it was through the first 11 games of the season. So they need to get that back on track. And going into the season, I kind of earmarked them for that six, seven, eight spot, you know, when everything shook out at the end of the season. But that hot start has let them get into the conversation for, you know, home court, a, a top four seed. Do you think that's still a reasonable goal for this team? Oh, yeah, it's definitely still reasonable now. I mean, if we're talking about 500 in a month's time or, you know, early January, then obviously it becomes more difficult. But right now, I mean, they've got to defend the perimeter a lot better. I think that's one of the key areas. Teams seem to be able to get a lot of open looks uh, against the Hornets. And I think that maybe they need to look into either acquiring someone who's a better def- uh, better perimeter defender or just they just need to focus a little bit more on it. Um, so I think that's hurt them a few times. And that that... If, if you can't defend the perimeter in, in the way the game's played right now, it's going to hurt you. I mean, you see that all the time. Teams are just running down, and, and everyone's running out to the three-point line and knocking them down. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's just the way the game is right now. But the Hornets, you know, I, I said on our show, actually, that they were the second-best team in the East when uh, when they were 6-1. and one. And, I, and I really believed in them because the way Steve Clifford coaches his team, it's taken a good three years to sort of get his message across. But they were playing the way that he, he's sort of always envisioned for them. You know, tough defensively, great on offense. That ball really moves around. Guys getting uh, open shots. But it's just kind of cooled off a little bit since then. And uh, I, I think he's a very good coach, Steve. I think he's uh, he, he knows what he wants. He, the guys understand their role. You know, they're still perhaps lacking that, that other sort of 1A star to September, uh, which is sometimes Nicholas Batum, but not always. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be sort of frustrating for... Uh, or Hornets fans because, you know, you sort of see some really solid performances. And then, you know, again, you know, I sort of point to that game against the Pistons on, on uh, Tuesday night. And taking into account the travel and the factors and that, they still, those are the sort of games that you can't afford to lose if you want to be considered a, a serious contender for a top, sport, top four spot in the East. Yeah, and Clifford mentioned that, Lee. You know, I think they're like five and five at home right now, so that's not great. Um, and last year they were really good on the on the on the second night of back to backs, and and this year has not gone as well. So they do have some some things to iron out. And Batum is a guy you mentioned, and and you mentioned the perimeter defense, and Clifford was really harping on that after that initial game. Didn't call anyone out by name, but there has been some lapses where guys have just yeah. been getting by him too easy. And that's not his style, I don't think, Steve. He doesn't really seem to be a guy who wants to you know, make a point through the media of, of naming guys. I think he, he's more of an old-school guy that he'll deal with those things in-house because if you once you start going through the media, you know, especially now on social media, it really can open you up to, you know, people start asking players questions and what did he say and what did he mean? And, and it just can create uh, a bit of a fracture within the, within the locker room. So, um, you know, Steve... He's he's a bit like Tom Thibodeau, you know. He never looks happy on the sideline. He's always sort of yelling and, and and you know trying to drill into his team that they've got to focus on defense because I think the offense. I think I, I really do like the Hornets' offense when when it's in full flow. Um, but but you know all coaches agree that uh, if you can't defend, it really doesn't matter how good your offense is because you're just going to be leaking points. Yeah, he and Tibbs. I tell you, the the Timberwolves Hornets game that was an all time. You know, yelling coaches <laughs> match up ah, <laughs> on the sidelines. I, I mean, there, there, there's never been a smile exchange between those two. You know, they're, they're sort of the those those are the guys that are only happy when they're upset. You know, or only happy when they're sad type of guys, and uh, they're always looking perturbed about something. But um, but you know, I think they're from a similar mold. They both did a long, long apprentices uh, as, as assistant coaches in the league, and they finally got their teams. And the, you know, Tibbs had some success, obviously in Chicago, a lot of success, in fact. 
and, and Steve Clifford has certainly, uh, you know, he's, he's improved the Hornets and made them into a, an outfit that has at least, has an identity. I think we can say they have an identity. It's just now trying to find that consistency and, and trying to really show, you know, sceptics out there that the Hornets are, are more than just a team that's going to turn up in the first round and get knocked out. Um, you know, that they be considered a legit a fit team. And, uh, you know, it's fun. I, I, I've said also on a show, I love watching Hornets games in Charlotte. You know, the crowds and the, and the home court there, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we just now need to see them take that sort of step to the to the elite level. Lee, that's a road trip area for you guys. You guys are in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. We, we've <laughs> got to get up there. We kind of always talk about it. But, uh, you know, life just gets in the way sometimes, oh, you know. I- yeah, I know. Well, you mentioned the media and things going through the media. One thing that came out yesterday, Steph Curry was asked if he would consider Charlotte as an off-season destination. He basically said, I don't know. Uh, I don't think anyone here has delusions of grandeur of of snatching Steph away. But I did want to ask you, from a team perspective, we talked about this morning on our show, I think it's a reasonable goal if he's taking meetings for the Hornets to try and at least get a sit-down. Because from a free agency standpoint, a lot of times that's the first step and kind of getting in the mix with some of these top players. Well, it also gives respect to your franchise if you can get a big name like that. You know, I mean, we've seen it in the past. If Kevin Durant, like he basically ignored the Lakers this summer, and the Lakers are one of the you know greatest franchises in the NBA, and that's that's a bit of a blow to the Lakers. Now, I'm not saying that you know Steph's going to come to Charlotte and have a big sit down that, but if at least he considers it, then sure, it, it gives other free agents a sort of. And, uh, you know, they look at Steph and they go, wow, well, if he's considering it, maybe I'll at least uh, talk it over with my reps and my agent and see what happens. But, I mean, I think Steph is just, uh, he's been politically correct and he's saying all the right things right now. I don't think anyone realistically thinks he would sign anywhere other than with the Warriors next season. Having said that, I didn't think LeBron was going to go to Miami and I certainly didn't think Kevin Durant was going to go to Golden State uh, during the season. You know, once the season's ended, then you sort of, you think, well, maybe this is going to happen. So, um Crazy thing to happen, but but of course the big big difference between Durant, LeBron, and Steph is that Steph's won a championship in Golden State, and you know they're they're red hot favourites to win another one. Um, so it it would be a an unusual decision for someone to leave a team that he's uh, you know having success with, and he's been there his entire career. They can obviously offer him the most money. I mean, there's there's virtually there's virtually nothing that Charlotte can offer Steph that he that is better than what he has in in uh, Oakland. So. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there's the home ties there, but that's it. also bounced around. You know, he, he spent some time in Toronto as well. So, no, no, uh, Lee, Lee, you can't claim that now. Yeah. You, we, we got a whole Charlotte here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like with Kevin Durant last year, I mean, Washington. I mean, again, they, they didn't even get a sit down with him, and he's from Washington and all that area anyway. And uh, and and those things, I I don't believe they really uh, play a factor where you're home. I think I think team when guys leave a team surprisingly they want to go to an opposite position where they're going to win a championship that's what lebron did when he went to miami once he won those championships then he can return to cleveland and and, and durant went to a golden state because that's where he thinks he can win so yeah you know yeah. i mean good luck but uh <laughs> <laughs> well like you know. i like i said i don't think anyone is under the impression that it might happen but as you said yeah who the heck knows these days i mean anything can happen hey, listen if Michael Jordan, you know, if Michael Jordan says to Steph, I just want to have a phone call with you, you know, he, he would get that phone call. There's no right. doubt about it. You know, Steph wouldn't, wouldn't tell Michael Jordan, no, I'm not even listening to you. Um, but, of course, again, you know, reality says <laughs> un- unlikely. 
Unlikely, says Lee Ellis, Doug, and, and say, breaking so my say heart. <laughs> I like how he, I like how he slipped the Toronto thing in there because, of course, Lee and Skeets and all those guys are are Toronto they were, yeah. fans. They were in Toronto. They were in the Raptors, and, but you do sometimes forget about that. I mean, Dell played uh, in course, Toronto with Vince Carter. <laughs> with Vince Carter, who every time they play the Grizzlies, Eric Collins brings up, uh, asked him if Vince Carter was always in good shape. <laughs> 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 Damn it, Eric. Uh, it's so great. And Dell's just like, yep, yep, he was. He was in really good shape. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so Lee had some good thoughts, and that's something we talked about yesterday, Doug, just the whole Steph Curry news slash, you know, headlines that kind of broke this week. But I thought he did a good job of breaking it down, and we talked more about just getting that sit-down or just getting that phone call, which, like you said yesterday, would probably just be a win, would be a win. It would definitely be a win, and there's much more from that interview to come on Locked on Hornets Live. Subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Locked on Hornets. We're taking a page from the starters, from Lee Ellis, and uh, getting there on YouTube, getting live in front of the people. And you guys talked about uh, just some NBA topics, about the Warriors, about the Bulls, and and about being a dad. There was some interesting kind of personal stuff from Lee there. So that's right. If yeah. you guys, any dads out there, need some recommendations for kids shows, we we touched on that a little bit. It was so, it was a hey, fun or it was a fun interview in the future. Yeah, it was a good time. All right, let's wrap things up with a listener question. Mark writes in: I'm new to the show and really enjoy the daily podcast. Well, thank you, Mark, for listening. We really appreciate uh, you uh, giving us a try, and and we hope uh, we continue to live up to your expectations. Mark asks. Would you say the Hornets' attendance record is healthy, or does it need some extra support? Well, Mark, thanks for the question again. Let's head to the numbers. According to ESPN.com's running tally, after 11 games, the Hornets have an average attendance percentage of 87.3. That's good for 22nd in the league, and that's exactly where they were, David. That's where they were ranked last season. So despite making the playoffs last year, the Hornets haven't seen much of a bump yet. Not yet. You know, you still have the Panthers playing too, right? So you're not fully on into NBA basketball season. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's part of it. But I mean, you know, until they get in the playoffs and start winning some of these uh, series, uh, maybe get some home court advantage as well. That's how it's going to be, Doug. I mean, we've talked about it. I think that winning is going to be the ultimate thing that helps. Um, There have been some good crowds. I mean, you know, San Antonio, San Antonio, they came in on a Wednesday night. That was a really good crowd. But you're starting to see, like, you know, the Pistons, uh, last night's game, you're going to see some more sparse attendance there, I think. So Mark is just starting to listen to us. But if you've listened to us for a few years now, I've said this about a thousand times, that the the top teams the top teams in attendance all have one thing normally in common they they go to the playoffs year after year and they win playoff series so the top teams right now bulls mavs raptors kings and that's because they just opened that fancy new building so that's yeah. they're the outlier there and the heat they all have a, a percentage over 100 so it's standing room only or or somebody's fibbing somewhere but Uh, those teams all have one thing in common. They go to the playoffs year after year and they win playoff series. And so that's what it takes. I mean, it's, it's, it's brutally simple. Unfortunately, there's not, you know, I mean, it's, it's great. I think the Hornets experience inside the arena is second to none. Obviously they've got the new scoreboard, but ultimately those things are there. They're putting those things in place in anticipation of a crowd that will only come 
if the Hornets start to win playoff series because you come I think the the again the non-hardcore NBA Hornet fan is going to come to the arena if there's a hope that they're going to win the game you know and and so that's built on in my mind playoff victories you you hear that through the grapevine oh the Hornets are are winning playoff series so then when you come to the arena you go yeah they're going to win you know, and if they lose, you're disappointed. But if you come into, if you think about the Hornets and you go, well, you know, they don't really win playoffs. They don't really have a hope of ever getting the NBA championship. I, they, I don't even know if they're going to win tonight. Then you don't go to the game. You know what I'm right. saying, David? So you, there's, yeah. it's all built on hope, and and that's why uh, Steve Clifford stresses uh, so every off season. The goal is win a playoff series. That's how you build a culture. That's what the Warriors started to do. That's why, you know, they fill the that's what the Thunder started to do and that's why they fill their arena. And that's why the fans mm-hmm. are crazy because that's just, you know, that's just what it takes. It's it's brutally simple. Yeah, Doug, I mean, the 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 game day experience, right? The off the court stuff, I think is good. They've done a good job of ramping that up. I don't think there's not there's not much else they could do off the court, I don't think. It's just going to be about wins, um, maybe getting a superstar in there if they can, which is going to help everything. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, they've done a nice job. It's certainly years away from the Bobcats situation. So they've put a good product on the floor, which is one. They've, good, they've got a good culture in place, which is two, and now they just have to get the wins. Mark also asked about free agency prospects not named Steph Curry. Stay tuned, Mark. We're working on something for that. Here's a hint. Watch us on Tuesday, youtube.com forward slash locked on Hornets. That subject deserves uh, more time, David, than we have this morning. I want to give that ample time. But there are some there are some names out there. Then we may, we may play a game of speculation coming up oh. on Tuesday. Speaking of time, we're out of it. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Shoot us your Hornets questions, your thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. Just like Mark, send us those smart questions. We're back back on Monday with a preview of uh, the Hornets' next game for David. I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV?